Hey, it's an 8.40 first pitch tonight on Sportsnet 590. The fan of Sportsnet. Jays in Colorado Rockies from Coors Field. Yunjin Ryu for the Jays. Chris Flexen for the Rockies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? The Jays lineup for tonight's game is as follows. George Springer leading off in right field. Davis Schneider at third base. He's hitting second Vladdy is cleaning up. No, Vladdy's hitting third. Be quiet. Vladdy's hitting third in the first base. Brandon Belt is cleaning up. He's in the DH spot. Danny Jansen's behind the plate. Whit Merrifield's at second. Dalton Varshall's in the left. Ernie Clement is the shortstop. Kevin Kiermeyer is in center field. Hyunjin Ryu on the mound. As we mentioned, Chad Green and Spencer Horowitz were both brought up today. It is September 1st. The rosters have expanded. And... Uh, well, we'll see if uh, we'll see if 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 Spencer Horowitz can bring the same sort of magic that Davis Schneider brought with him um, from AAA. All kidding aside, both of them richly deserving of the call up, and uh, Spencer Horowitz as a left-handed hitter, he'll he'll certainly get some he'll certainly get some run for the Blue Jays. As we mentioned eight forty is the first pitch. The manager of the Blue Jays is John Schneider. And he joined us a little earlier today. Very pleased to be joined from the Mile High City by John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. John, as always, we appreciate your time. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. We know Chad Green and Spencer Horwitz have uh, been called up as part of the roster expansion. Uh, how do you envision utilizing them? Uh, we'll start with Chad, you know, kind of just putting him into a really already strong, good uh, group in the bullpen and, you know, ideally getting him in and some clean innings and kind of going from there. Everything that he's done, you know, in his rehab, he's he's pitched multiples. He's come in with runners on base. He's he's kind of done everything back to back days. So try to function as normal as possible with him. Um, and again, trying to get him in in a spot that's not high leverage, probably to start. Um, and for Spencer, kind of just, you know, having that, you know, obviously his, his season has been phenomenal in Buffalo offensively. So having that bat that can, um, you know, play against some right-handers that can come off the bench and give you a really competitive quality of bat um, pretty much at any time in the game, um, you know, obviously playing the first base too. So um, a variety of different ways we can use him. And, um, you know, he's definitely earned the, uh, earned the shot to come back up here. Now, we saw Davis Schneider come up and have an immediate impact. Um, I don't know if you expect the same necessarily from Spencer, but how, how different are they as hitters? Or are they you know, similar? I think, yeah, I think they're, you know, they've been doing similar things in terms of how they control the strike zone. That's such a, you know, a big part of their game. And, you know, I think Davis probably with a little bit more damage, you know, a few more home runs. Spencer just um, damage in terms of doubles on base you know, things like that. So um, they're similar in what they swing at and how they work in at bat. And I think, um, you know, it's a little bit more home run potential with Davis. Um, but you look at what they've done the whole year, man, they've been as consistent as anybody, including guys in our lineup every day in terms of getting good pitches to hit. Uh, you just mentioned Davis, and I know fans, and I do, when I watch Davis and I hear Davis talk about he has issues with the elevated fastball, uh, and then he takes two or three days and he corrects it, and now you're seeing him get the head out on some velocity on some elevated fastballs. I just I, I wonder when you see a guy that makes adjustments that quickly, 
How come that's not a trickle-down effect, John? I, I, you know, it's it's just with the names on the back of the jersey in your lineup, you would think when you see a guy like Davis that can do it that quickly, I know fans and also myself wonder why some of the other guys in the lineup, quite frankly, haven't done that as quickly as Davis has. Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at a pretty small sample size for Davis um, in terms of number of at-bats at this level and guys that have been here, the guys you're talking about, um, there's, you know, there's probably, you know, I think the league is still figuring out how to try to get Davis out. Whereas guys that have been here, there's a little bit more of a track record in terms of, you know, what has worked and what hasn't. So um, I think for Davis in particular, it's kind of covering um, one spot right now and making a a pretty significant adjustment to that spot. Whereas other guys, um, there's multiple spots that they're trying to cover now within that, I think, if you can eliminate a couple of those spots um, and really kind of just focus on where they're going to be attacked, I think that's where you can kind of see, you know, some more gains from the guys that have been here. Uh, I heard you a couple of days ago say when Kirky was getting a couple of hits in one game, you you were finally starting to see his A swing. Uh, My question would be why? Like what's he done differently in your mind that allows him to get to his A swing more often? I think he's, I mean, for one, he's controlling his own better, right? And we've, we've said this all year. We've talked about it, Kev, and we say it to the guys all the time. Well, not, not me, but more so, you know, G, Hudgy, you know, Donnie. It's just, it's swinging at the right pitch, you know? So I think when, you're, when your mechanics are sound and, you know, you can kind of recognize pitches a little bit earlier, um, you're able to either lay off pitches that you're not going to hammer or be on time to hammer those pitches. So, for whatever reason, I think, you know, Kirky has probably the last couple weeks gotten to the point to where he's a little bit more comfortable um, laying off borderline pitches and, you know, getting getting those ones that he should hammer and, and getting them in the air and driving them with authority. So that, and that's the biggest difference. It's, it's you know, being mechanically sound and, and holding that for, you know, a period of time. And then with, with that comes better pitch selection. John, it's Denver. That means altitude. You know, everything everybody talks about uh, playing and pitching at Coors Field. Uh, What have you been able to, from talking to people, from your own experience, what have you been able to determine as what is fact and what is fiction when it comes to playing and pitching in Coors Field? Yeah, I think in terms of playing, everyone's going to respond a little bit different, right, with the terms, you know, with the the altitude and, and, you know, things like that. it's a it's a weird thing because if you haven't played here a lot, you know you're in for three days and you're out, so it's a quick adjustment period. Um, so guys are going to react different ways. I think um, most of our guys have been through cores before and and experienced what it feels like. And from a pitching standpoint, you know I think what is fact is how each pitch is actually affected by the altitude, whether it's a breaking ball, changeup, or fastball. So um, again, you know Gauze is pitched here, Hunjin's pitched here. Um, I believe Bassett's pitched here. So it's kind of just understanding what your stuff is going to do and being aware of it. But at the same time, you know, kind of seeing what it is doing and, and making adjustments in game. We could have all the, the factual numbers as to what altitude does to each pitch, but they got to go out there and, and see exactly what it's doing. Yeah, you know, I've covered games there and I've spoken to guys who've pitched there. And one of the things they talk about, and obviously the obvious things about the breaking pitches breaking differently, but I had one guy tell me one time, you know what? It's really, 
it's really not an issue until you get into trouble. And then you start thinking about the altitude and maybe my pitch isn't breaking the way I want it to. And should I do this? Like he said, up until the point you're in trouble in a game, it's just, it's just another game. How much of it is mental, do you think? Yeah, I'm sure some of it is just because of the, the facts that are known, you know, because they've been, you know, the Rockies have been playing here for, for such a long time. Um, again, all the, all the numbers, all the facts, you know, you can take it, digest it, but you got, you got to be able to um, adjust accordingly. So I think the message to the guys is, you know, hey, here's what we think, you know, might affect you, your pitches or each pitch. Or if you're a hitter, it's, you know, this is what the breaking ball may do or fastball may do here compared to other places. But um, they got to go out and, and kind of see what's going on and, and figure it out on the fly. It's, um, you know, you can't use that as a parachute to say, my stuff wasn't on or I or didn't hit that pitch. you got to just be ready to roll. Uh, John, whenever you're playing some teams in a row here like you guys are, that on paper you're better than, What what's the biggest mm-hmm. worry for you as a manager? I mean, I think you, the biggest worry is that you look past games and, and things like that and you just kind of assume that you're going to come out on top. So Major League Baseball, you know, is Major League Baseball and you have to be ready to compete every single night. I think the good part, the good part of you know you know who we are playing right now in terms of where we are in the standings, we don't have that luxury to say okay this should be a series win this should be a series sweep it is um, it's got to be you know the prep has to be on point just like it always is and the execution has to be on point so it's uh, that's the biggest worry is that you look past you know a game or two um, but I think in terms of where we are in the standings and what the guys are talking about. Every day in the clubhouse, um, we don't have that luxury, and and we don't expect the guys to be looking past anything. Uh, John, you got 28 games left. Obviously, you know that. You know you're thinking you get 91 wins. That's that's about the mark you're shooting at to put a little pressure on the teams that are in front of you. But you've seen some games where you know you've seen some baseball IQ and looking at the scoreboard that players sometimes look like they're not paying attention to that, like going or trying to go home to third down two runs, trying to steal third on a 3-0 pitch down a couple of runs, swinging 3-0 where you're hitting in the in the lineup. You know, to to get 18 wins is a lot, no matter who you're facing. You just mentioned that. But how do you clean that part of it up this late in the season? You keep talking about it. You know, I think guys are at the point where they understand they have to try to make some things happen. Um, but, you know, you have to do it within the context of the game, right? So the message has been the same. It's, you know, me and the staff, we trust guys. You know, we trust them to make good decisions within each game, right? Whether it's swinging at the right pitch 3-0, whether it's forcing the issue on the bases or not forcing the issue on the bases. So um, we, we're going to continue to try to put them in spots. They have to just understand, you know, every little thing, you know, I feel like I've been saying this all year, every little thing matters, whether it's, you know, giving an out away on the bases or, you know, being in the right spot defensively or, or making a pitch on the mound. It's uh, It's been the same message the entire year. So I think, you have to revisit things that you could have done better, and you have to make adjustments really quick in the last 28 games. John, obviously your starting rotation has been, I would say, the strength of the team this year. Um, mm-hmm. are, are are you at the point now with guys like, <clears throat> pardon me, Gossman, Barrios in particular? Like, I, I'm not asking if you're watching their innings. They're veteran guys, and they've been through this before, but... Do you have to pay a little closer attention maybe to them earlier in the game than you would have earlier in the season? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've all gotten to the, you know, it's, I agree with you to where the starters have been unbelievably consistent and, and durable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've been through it. So you have to, you have to trust them and what they're saying to you in between their starts. But I think you combine, you know, watching them early in games and then really what we have available in the bullpen now on any given night to where, um, if it's not right there on point early in the game for a starter, we can, we can, you know, flip the script and, and throw some really good arms at you too. So it's, uh, again, they've been so good and, and we trust them to go deep in games, much like Chris did at home. Um, and if that's not the case, you know, we have a lot of different weapons that can come in and keep a game right where it needs to be. John, I think, uh, Dalton Varsho led the team in RBIs in August, you know, where he's been throughout the entire season with all the mechanical changes and just the mental grind of where you're putting him in the order and where he's trying to play on the defensive side and just trying to contribute and being, you know, an everyday big leaguer just, uh, this year hasn't looked optics wise, you know, like he's had some challenges, but he's been really good in August. Uh, have you seen a, a big difference? Is there one thing you can point your finger to that will tell you that he can maintain that and do something in September to help the team? Yeah. I mean, I think he's swinging at good pitches, which sounds like, you know, what I talk about with everybody, but mechanical changes are, are tough to do in the, you know, in the season. And I think he's at the point now where he's comfortable with where he's at. And it's, you know, you're not thinking about the mechanics. You're not thinking about the swing. You're thinking about the situation. And he's been able to, to be really consistent, you know, in the month of August. Um, and it's, it's, really, it's really helped us to have, you know, that spot in the order wherever he is. Like you said, he's been hitting all over the place. Um, but just kind of having a, a competitive at-bat with, you know, eliminating the high fastball, eliminating the breaking ball in the dirt and getting yourself into good counts. That's what he's done. Um, over the past few weeks. Hopefully he can continue to do it. John, we really appreciate your time as always. Thanks so much for this, and uh, go get him. Yeah, thanks, John. Sweet, thanks, guys. All right, appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Hey, I want to ask you this, because we've talked about adjustments. We always talk about adjustments and mechanical changes and that. And John Schneider just talking about the difficulty of making mechanical changements in season. Um, you know, when you're playing every day and you're being judged on results and how hard is it to make an adjustment or to make a mechanical change to your swing and stick with it if you're not getting immediate results? Like It seems to me that, that we kind of lose track of that when we say, why doesn't a guy do this? Why doesn't a guy do that? Well, if a guy makes a change, it's not like, it's not like Dalton Varsho has a week to to take his change into the game and, and try to get it to work. Like I like, remember Chipper Jones said about anytime he needed to do something mechanically, he'd go to the manager and say, give me 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Give me 48 hours. I'll be in the cage. I don't want, don't get me in the lineup. Just give me 48 hours to make this adjustment and we'll go from there. So I wanted to ask you about that. How hard is it with all the things you got to do to make adjustments? Well, it's obviously pretty hard because the Blue Jays don't do a ton of it, right? You see Dalton Varsho, he's done it. He's went back and forth between what he wants to do with his lower half, between that little But you need to see immediate results. Don't, don't you need to see immediate? Uh, yeah. That would be human nature that I'd, I'd want to see immediate results. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, the, the, 
the the one person that everybody's talking about is Vladdy, right? Is why 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 can he not match up the hands with the lower half, right? It's well one, one time he doesn't start on time, one time his lower half starts, his hand doesn't start. He's playing catch up with his hands. The other time it starts on time, his hands drop too low. He has to get them back up. That in turn makes him late. He's fouling balls over the first base dugout. I I, I think I think maybe there is a little something to that, but I think the way they can hook all of these things up to you to tell you bat speed and how direct your swing is, how that would help you get barrel to baseball uh, quicker. Like when I played, it was trial and error. Yeah, I did it in batting practice. I'd show up early and hit balls off a tee. I'd get the the hitting coach to soft toss me. If I was thinking about doing something different, uh, working on a two-strike approach, like there, there's ways of doing it to where you have a certain amount of swings you can take before a game, after a game. I mean, I guess there's a little something to that. But the, the guys that we talk about every day are elite hitters. Mm-hmm. It's like Matt. It's like Matt Chapman. The little toe tap thing with the elevated fastball obviously is not working. Why? Why has the change not been made already? Like, what? What? Wh- how? How hard is it to just say, okay, I'm not going to abandon that, but it's not working, and they've made an adjustment to me. They found something, and they keep going to that. And I'm big to this team because I tend to come up every time somebody's standing second. I need to figure out how to get a hit. That part of it I just don't really understand. And that gets back to, I think, the frustration from the fans is the sense of urgency. Like, it's here. It's real. Like, uh, we need you guys to hurry up because you have you have uber amounts of talent that, for whatever reason, is not matching up what's between the ears. And that, for me, I, I that's the confusing part of it is. It's not talent. It's not the willingness or you can't. It's just the eyes will tell you if you're a fan and us and whoever else is watching the Blue Jays is you just don't. Why do you not? That's the thing is, and I I think John is on to a little something there, but it can't be like Groundhog Day. There has to be one of those ah moments where I've had enough of this. Like, I just can't do this anymore. This is not going to work. Like, I, I need to figure out how to get the barrel out front or whatever your weakness is. It's like George Springer. George Springer, the difference between him stinking and good is how quickly he gets it started. I want the separation between my athletic move, which is when my front foot hits the ground, you can tell the actual separation on a fastball and a curveball. That means he's getting started on time. He's a a direct hitter, which means he stands straight up and down. He doesn't have any bend at his knees which means he has to be really good in an athletic position. The front foot hits the ground. I have to have the separation to where the hands and the rubber band effect, everybody knows what that is, is there on time so I can throw my hands at a strike, something that I can do damage on. It's internally. How do I get that? Is it more swings? Is it like you have to know those things, but it's an adjustment you have to make. If you don't make it, you're not going to get high, and that's what happens, right, is – I just it's sometimes it's very confusing why I understand pitching's really good it's never been better because of how hard they throw and there's no fastball counts like it's a thing the elevated fastball it's a nightmare like but you see people make adjustments and they figure it out how come consistently the Blue Jays that we think are really really good hitters if not borderline great hitters can't quickly make adjustments to where okay you're not gonna do that to me anymore 
it's just not easy enough to say don't swing at it. Like, because most of those times, those elevated fastballs are strikes. Sooner or later, you got to put one to play, and you're going to have to do it positively, not pull it foul or show, show a catcher that you're on time and just missing it and fouling it straight back. No, sooner or later, you're going to have to hit one in the big part of the field with some backspin, and so those guys know that you can hit it. I that, 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 I think, is the frustrating part when you watch it is you see some guys make adjustments, and you see other guys, it's like Groundhog Day. Do the same thing over and over and over again. It's confusing. Is there? Do you think that one of the reasons a guy like Davis Schneider, for example, is a, is able to make that adjustment is because you know he's playing for next year. Absolutely, right? Absolutely, and he, I'll do whatever it takes to be a big leaguer. Correct, and yeah. and I guess what I'm getting at is maybe you know this team's been together for a while. Maybe these guys have read all the press clippings. We've been saying they're a World Series team. They've heard other people say they're a World Series team. To John's point about the the in season adjustment, yeah, and That's... and you know, to me, the red flag is when I hear Kevin Kevin Gossman talking about we need to have more urgency and Bo, we need to be a little more fearless. I, I'm wondering if maybe that's maybe guys are just too comfortable here. Maybe guys are too comfortable here. You could argue. They know exactly. Except what the for blue. the guys that are coming. The guy comes up from hey. Buffalo and he sees an opening. And he, I mean, David Schneider's looking around and going, "There's they don't have a third baseman next year. There's going to be a couple of other openings. If I come up here and do what I got to do and put myself in the p- picture here next year, if they're not going to use me. Maybe the Washington Nationals go away yeah. thinking, "Geez, that David Schneider guy was, you like, know, like if you're Kirky, like is there is there a sense of urgency when it comes to he knows what they don't have in the minor leagues." Like he he knows, and that. they gave away what he knows what they gave away. Absolutely, they gave away like, Gabriel like, Moreno. Like he, why, why would there be a, a, yeah. an urgency to go out and and get better rotation to try and catch balls out front? Why why, why would you try? That's the that's the very confusing part of this. Is it behind the scenes that just for whatever reason one of the coaches is not walking up to somebody and going, "This thing working." Uh, do they not have enough clout to do that? Like that's the thing, right? Is you got to against with. Dudes who have had success at the big league level, every once in a while you got to have that guy who's been there and done it for you. You can't teach experience. You, you, people roll their eyes at that, but when it hits the fan, that's what players want to lean on. Like the Don Mattingly's of the world who have been through everything. How, how do you get out of it? How do you get out of it quicker? Like if I if it's not working, I'm working on toe tap all off season. This is what I got. And all of a sudden it's not working because they're throwing elevated fastballs. Well, why would I do it anymore? I'm not going to abandon it, but I'm going to go away from it just to help my team and myself hit balls harder, put balls in play with some authority. That's the one thing. It's just it's a, it's just a very confusing thing because it's, it's not talent. God, they're oozing talent. You know, doesn't take a smart person to, to see it's oozing. They have enough mm-hmm. bat speed. They have enough hand-eye coordination. They they can throw barrel at ball like they have a, enough awareness of the strike zone to be able to get their pitch. Well, well, why are they not doing the other things to have success consistently? That for me is the very confusing part of it. I, I don't know. the uh, Jays are in Colorado to take on the Rockies. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of news because I know that we do have a lot of listeners in. Uh, uh, in in western New York and uh, in that area, and there may be fans from uh, southern Ontario going to Buffalo this weekend. Maybe you want to take in the Bison's game. They are playing Indianapolis. 
You've probably heard by now that there was a fire in the concourse at Salem Field earlier uh, today. Uh, the fire's been put out, and uh, you know, no, this is from the Bisons. Nobody was harmed. Their game against Indianapolis is going to be played tonight as scheduled. It's a 7.05 first pitch, and I'm going to read you the release from the Buffalo Bisons, so if you're going to the game, you will understand. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll understand. Um, fans will be allowed to sit in Section 116 tonight. The closed sections will be Section 115 to the right field corner. I'm sorry, 118 to the right field corner. Originally, it was thought that fans would not be allowed to sit in Section 116. All club-level sections are open. Consumers Pub at the park is open, which is always good news when a pub is open. And the Swan and Oak Gates will be open at 5 p.m. Uh, the game's first pitch is scheduled for 7.05. And again, the gates will open at Swan Street and Oak at 5 o'clock for Resurgence Brewing Happy Hour. If I'd known that was on, I'd be, we'd be doing the show from there. Mm. Anyhow, the Seneca Street gate will remain closed tonight. And again, the, uh, the uh, seating we, uh, we reminded you about, the uh, seating uh, fans will be allowed to sit in Section 116 uh, tonight. It is uh, Section 118 to the right field corner that was closed. So uh, I'm sure if there's any, give the Bisons a call if you've got any concerns or any uh, you don't want any further information, but that's the latest we have from the Buffalo Bisons. Their 705 game against Indianapolis is going to go on as scheduled, uh, despite a fire in the Congress. I think it was a, a temporary concession stand to get a fire in or something like that. So there you go. Sean Schneider. I don't know. I... I I'll give John Schneider credit. You know what? Considering the fact that it, you're right, it has seemed like Groundhog Day. Yep. He hasn't always repeated the same thing over and over again. Like, I'd be tempted to repeat the same thing over over and over again. Um, it's got to be. But you have to admit, they got to play better baseball. It's like, gotta, you, you can't, yeah, you can't be, see you know, the little. It's got to be frustrating. I, I, We haven't asked him this. But there's nobody in the organization that has spent as much time around Vladdy as him. Maybe Bo, because Bo, they, they were teammates all. Yeah. It's got to be particularly frustrating for John to see that because he's seen Vladdy almost from jump. Yeah. And and to see him have the type of year, what was his August again? Eight extra base hits. Yeah, yeah. 13, 13 RBIs, RBIs. 104 at bats. That's not good. Three homers. 104 at bats in August when... You said when Bo went down, he's the guy. Oh, I, I mean, I meant that, and he he hasn't been. I mean, it's getting to the point where if you're a Jays fan, you're just hoping in a three-game series you don't see rollovers to, to the left side of the infield. I mean, if he doesn't do that, it's a that's a win. Yeah. And it's yeah. I'm, I'm almost at the point. I think Buck made this made this point during one of the telecasts. I am almost at the point now. We're one for four with an RBI. Oh, I'm with you. Get get the big hit. Yeah, it's okay to go one for four with a get, two RBI get double. An, yeah, get exactly. So it's that, fine. That's, you strike that's, out the other three times, okay. Just, just getting, me, a, getting a big hit and driving in a couple of runs, and hope that Davis Schneider comes through. Help, uh, help. Uh, well, there's gonna. I said this top, top ten in homers and top ten in hits in September. You think they can do it? Mm-hmm. Top ten in hits, maybe. Top ten in homers, I don't think so. I mean, it's a lot to ask, but you're facing some teams and. You're playing in the American League East. You got to do some things like this. You sort of back yourself in the corner. I mean, yeah, I uh, like I I have 
I have no doubt that the pitching can do what what needs sure. to be done. Chad Green, I think, is is he's going to help. He's going to help, and I'm really I I I don't want to look ahead to next year. I do not want to look ahead to next year. But man, I'm I'm already thinking the Jays will go into this off season with maybe one opening in their rotation, depending on what happens with Manoa. Bullpen, if they brought everybody, if they brought this whole bullpen back next year, is there anybody out there who'd complain? I don't think so. You know, Jordan Hicks is going to be a free agent. I'm sure Jordan Hicks is going to test the market. Mm. Uh, And based on what I've seen from Jordan Hicks, I'm not ready to bring him back and say he can be my closer in the event that I Jordan Romano needs a blow or anything. I don't think Jordan Hicks is that guy. Not yet. He may be. He may be two years down the road. Well, they said he might turn into that guy. When he got here, they said pockets. Yeah. And, And he may turn into... The, the closer at some point down the road. But, uh, yeah, I uh, – and, and that – again, that just keeps getting back to the thing that really makes me frustrated is the fact that just this pitching is so – if you had this pitching last year, you don't lose to the Mariners. If yeah. you had this pitching last year – Yeah, I don't last think that's year, fair. You, you said, yeah, the outfield defense – that they have this year, last year, yeah, they wouldn't have lost either. So that it's I don't know. I still think that pitching though you with this rotate or with this bullpen, John Schneider would have had an answer in those games. And it wouldn't have had to rely so, on Tim Mays. Tim Mays he would have still, had an he's not flipping a switch hitter around the other side. Hmm. May not have to. Patrick Saunders covers the Colorado Rockies for the Denver Post. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. Fan the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. You're looking at me. We had a request from a listener who says his uh, 10-year-old daughter likes to dance to this song, so Ah. I've got to send the link to it. You are a man of the people. I am a man of the people. Absolutely. And, of course, I was the one who chose the theme song. Sure you did. Yeah. That was actually you, if I recall. Actually, everything that's good on this show is for me. Absolutely. Pretty much. Pretty much the case. I, I can't. I've got. I got nothing for you. Eight forty is the first pitch tonight. Chris Flex on the mound for the Rockies. Well, Hyunjin Ryu for the Jays. You gonna do Blue Jays talk with me after the game? No. Oh. In no. spirit. I won't either. In spirit. I think Show Ali is gonna do it. He does good job. He does a good job, Absolutely and I, I will does. stay up late to listen to him. And I might even call in and disguise my voice. Oh, you should. I used to. Do, you should. That used to happen. I've never done that, dude. That used to happen all the time at this station. These these young guys. You guys don't remember any of that stuff. Guys used to call up everybody else's show, disguise their voices. Oh, oh yeah. Oh God yeah. You call up like the 
show at midnight and all that, yeah, you'd disguise your voice and go, hey. What's yeah. wrong with you, dude? No, they would. It was good. It was calling. I must always find guys who <laughs> do that anymore. No. Uh, as I mentioned, That's... 840. No, everybody's sleeping at that point. <laughs> 840 is the uh, first pitch tonight. You've changed. I have changed. Let's bring in Patrick, Patrick Saunders, who covers the Rockies for the Denver Post. Patrick, thank you so much for joining Kevin Barker and Jeff Blair. We do appreciate your time. Um, a, just a very simple question here. You know, the, we know, know the Rockies record. We know the recent history. I mean, Patrick, what are the Rockies right now, and what are they, do you think, on the verge of becoming? Like, what is best-case scenario for this franchise next year, for example? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I've been scratching my head all season about where are they going, what is this franchise. <clears throat> it looks like they're going to lose 100 games for the first time in franchise history, which will be a black mark for sure. Uh, but I guess it's not the end of the world. Um, here's the deal. Uh, Bill Schmidt, who's been the, the full-time GM now for uh, well, this is his first full year, uh, he's been a little more aggressive. They have some good young position talent up already. Um, so realistically, uh, and I guess optimistically, guys, we could see the Rockies be a winning team, perhaps a contending playoff team in Maybe 2025, that might be a stretch. They have a lot of work to do. Uh, they have to find out exactly what they are. I mean, they say they're drafting development, yet before the beginning of last season, they signed Chris Bryant for seven years, $182 million, which I'm still scratching my head over. Um, but I do think they're sort of on the right track, but it's hard to find a lot of optimism considering they just lost 20 games in August. Patrick, is there a blueprint to win in Colorado? You know what? That's the head-scratching question that's been asked ever since the inception of this franchise. Uh, I don't think anybody's figured it out for uh, a long term or certainly not sustainable. I think the closest the Rockies came to that uh, was 17 and 18 when they made the playoffs and they came one game away in 18 from unseating the Dodgers for their first NOS title combination that year was some good young starting pitchers who uh, were tough enough to handle Coors Field and altitude. And I'm talking about Kyle Freeland, Armand Marquez, uh, a decent bullpen, and some really, really good position players. Uh, they're never going to get a superstar pitcher in here. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to load up on free agents. But that team was pretty salty. You had Nolan Arnato and Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman in his prime, and D.J. LeMayhew. Uh, it was a very good unit. And uh, and Bud Black brought his prowess as a pitching guy. Uh, to me, that's probably the best example of what they can be. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't last very long. And now here they are, what, five years later, and they're probably at the worst stage in franchise history. So you got to stay healthy. you gotta You got to search and find for tough-minded pitchers who don't mind losing, a, you know, winning a game eight to six at Coors and finishing the year with a, you know, a 4.65 ERA or something like that. If you can find those guys, you got a chance, but they're difficult to find. Uh, 
who are some of the young players we should be watching this series? You know, we had Ryan Spielborgs on, and he was talking about no uh, talking up Nolan Jones. I've seen him play a little bit. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar, the shortstop. Who are some of the young guys that you would pay attention to in this series? If you know, if you're a Jays fan and you're watching these games, oh, for sure, for sure, those two guys. Tovar, the shortstop, rookie shortstop, 22. Now uh, started the season age 21, youngest position player to start a uh, major league game in franchise history. Guys, he's going to be uh, not this year because he doesn't have the rep, but he's gold glove caliber. He's that good. His fielding percentage, if I have my numbers right, a second best in National League history for a rookie shortstop behind only Troy Kulowitzki back in 07. Hmm. I mean, that's how good he is. He's got the he's the full deal. Plus, he's hit 15 homers. Um, he he he's been terrific. Uh, Nolan Jones, which Spilly talked about already, uh, insane velocity on his outfield throws. Um, he he's really good, and he's still raw as an outfielder. He came over from the Guardians as kind of a hybrid, and, and he's really going to be good. He, he he hits with some power too. You know, he strikes out too much, 33.5 percent of the time. But if he can figure that out, I think he's got a chance to be. Uh, not necessarily a franchise player, but an all-star. And then another guy to look for is uh, Brenton Doyle, the Rocky center fielder. And if you ask most folks, to win at Coors Field, you have to have uh, a center fielder who can go and get the ball. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest outfield in baseball. Doyle's got all of that. He, he's phenomenal. I would venture to say right now he's as good as anybody in the game as a center fielder in terms of Building the baseball and going and getting it. And he's just a rookie. Uh, he strikes out a ton. He's hitting below the Mendoza line. So he's got a lot of work to do. But those are the three that, that come to my mind of the young players. How, how about Ryan McMahon? I, I just, I somewhat, I understand why maybe they gave him a contract, but it's, it's, I'm not sure when you're a Rocky and you're sort of where they are at as an organization. What? How do you benefit from having a guy that can hit in the middle of the order? Now he's had a tough August, but is there a reason why they would give him a deal because of where their organization's at? I guess is my question. Actually, I, the, the McMahon deal, uh, which was signed, I believe, last before last year during spring training, doesn't bother me too much because uh, I think you're going to have to overpay to get anybody to come to Colorado to begin with. Yeah, you look at Chris Bryant, you can see that. And McMahon, I don't think he will win it, but if you look at the metrics and if you watch him play every day, and I covered this team when Nolan Arenado was, you know, the best third baseman in the game. I think Ryan McMahon is, if he doesn't win a gold glove, he certainly should be in consideration. And, you know, he's going to end up probably 26, 27 homers, which isn't bad at all. Um, You know, he's not, and he strikes out too much, but I think Ryan McMahon, for the money they pay, uh, I don't think that was a bad deal. And he's he's young still, but he's emerged as, a, as kind of a quiet clubhouse leader uh, on a young team. So I don't really have any qualms with the money they gave Ryan McMahon. Uh, last question before we let you run. Uh, let you run. Bud Black has, boy, he's managed. Uh, did he just manage his thousandth game? I think he did. He managed his thousandth game. Um, 12th manager in MLB history to manage a thousand games with at least two different teams. Um, how, how's Bud held up? through all this because you know, he's a guy I know a little bit from previous uh, previous gigs guy I really liked he's a guy frankly Patrick 
he was rumored coming to the Jays as a managerial mm-hmm. candidate because we know that he and uh, he and Mark Shapiro are, are are pretty close. How's he held up under this? Remarkably well. I, I, I am constantly amazed, and I'm pretty close with him. And even when they lose, and, and they're losing a lot, and they're losing ugly, post-game he, gets, he can get a little salty, and he should. Man, he shows up at the ballpark the next day, and he's still the optimistic personable, funny, engaging Bud Black. And from a PR standpoint, I know baseball's not about PR, but the Rockies could not have a better face uh, of the front office slash coaching staff than manager Buddy Black. He's He's been remarkable. I, I've talked to guys, uh, numerous guys through the year, thinking, you know, has, has he lost the team? Is he too soft on this team? Is there lack of urgency? And I don't get that from guys. I don't think you can fault Bud Black for this string of five really pretty bad years. He didn't put together the roster. He's a good teacher. He still has enthusiasm, loves the game. Uh, on a personal level, you know, I wish Bud Black had gone to Toronto or maybe somewhere else. Uh, I would have missed getting to know him, but I think he's got the chops to be a uh, uh, a World Series type manager. I really think he has that kind of skill. But hey, tip your cap to him. He's never he's never hung his head. He's never uh, said woe is me. He just goes about his job and loves being a manager and loves his kids on this team. And you know, as a, as a beat guy, couldn't ask for a better beat reporter. And Buddy knows, or a better manager. And Buddy knows. God, it seems like he knows everybody in this game. Yeah, he's, he's been he's been remarkable. Yeah. Patrick, listen, man, we really appreciate you joining us. Good to talk to you, my friend. Be well. See ya. You too. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. Patrick Saunders covers the Rockies for the Denver Post. for a long time. Yeah, how do you make out an organization to where you want to pitch on the road and hit at home? Because that's that's basically what you have to do. If you can't get anybody that's worthy, that's good, to want to come there, and pitch home games in Coors Field all the time. So you're trying to basically make out your organization to where if you're going to win, you're going to outscore everybody at home, and I've, you're going to outpitch everybody on the road. How do you do that? I mean, I've I've always talked about how I like the way the Cubs put together their World Series winning team a couple of years ago. And I think it's what the Jays are trying to do. And that is put together a team built around young, cost-effective position players, guys you've drafted and developed on your own. So I'm talking about a Bichette. I'm talking about a Guerrero. I'm talking about a a, a, a Biggio. Uh, but build your team around those guys. Then use whatever free agent money you're going to spend to go out and get pitching. I want... I want guys like Gossman. Like, I want guys who've had their Tommy John surgery... You know, I don't want to – perfect example. I don't want to put up with the type of thing that happened with Alec Manoa this year. I'd rather bring in a guy who has a track record, who I know what I'm going to get. Predictability. Exactly. I, I, don't, I would rather overpay for that, and then we'll put together the roster or, or the lineup. Well, do you think they've already but done I, that? Though? I was going to say, no, no, no. I think the Rockies, you got to flip it on its head, Right. Because you're not going to get a free agent pitcher yeah. to come into Colorado. Yeah. It's tough. So what I think you got to do if you're the Rockies is 
build your pitching from within, which is, I understand that's not easy to do, but, and it's not just drafting. It's you got to hit an international free agents, but you got to build your pitching from within, have some homegrown position players, but then if you're going to spend free agent money, go to a guy and say, Hey, you can come here. You're going to, you're going to 35, 40 bombs playing for this team. It's a great city. Mm. You know, we have talked about the wear and tear on the body of playing there every day. But I think that's the only way the Rockies can do it is you've got to bring dudes up who are from your own organization. And then, you know what the problem with that is, though? And this is something, and, and, you know, I'm sure if Dan, we had Dan O'Dowd on, he could he could talk about this. The problem with developing your own pitchers and bringing them into Colorado is how do young pitchers get paid? How do guys get paid in their arbitration years? By stats. Where are you not going to get good, have put up good stats if you're a pitcher? Mm-hmm. Colorado. It's going to be hard if you're a young Rockies pitcher to put up good stats. So I just think it's a real, it's a, really problematic situation and the Expos were the first team to play the Rockies in a regular season game this is when they played at Mile High Stadium and I remember covering that game and Felipe Alou who'd managed the the Expos managed in Denver because Denver used to be used to be the Expos affiliate and I I remember him and I'm sure other guys around the team I remember him before that first series saying, you know what? I can't believe they put a major league team in Denver because they're, they're always going to have trouble. Mm-hmm. They're always going to have trouble with pitching. Uh, hitters are going to love playing here, but they're always going to have trouble with their pitching. It is a real, it's going to be a real, it's going to be a tough go for this organization. And I, I mean, I, I, I think he's right, but I, I think that's the only way you can do it. I think the only way you can do it is, develop that camaraderie, that sense of organization, and, you know. they got to find their Bryce Harper, their Mookie Betts, their Aaron See, Judge, like be, that one. But it shouldn't be that, that hard. That one guy. They had Nolan Arenado. Yeah. They did that. Mm. It shouldn't be It shouldn't be hard to find that guy as a hitter. Like, that's why I'm intrigued in looking at these guys like Ezekiel Tovar, I'm interested in seeing Nolan Jones and those guys because I I think that's. But man, it's again who who would go pitch there? Who would go pitch there? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I I don't know. I think you'd try and find veteran guys in the pen to shorten games. You have youth in your rotation. You have veteran guys in your pen with swing and miss stuff, and you find your Bryce Harper. How how do you do that? Like that's yeah. You got you got to find that one guy. I mean, who again, is so good they had him. that he can carry your organization for long periods of time. Yeah, and he couldn't wait to get out of there. So it's, I it, it, right, but now with with Nolan Arenado, if I'm not mistaken, there were a whole bunch of issues with ownership in the front office. I think that that's a that's a deeper story. Uh, but you know, there's look the reason. There's no surprise if you look at the the Blake Street Bombers and the success the the Rockies had with those guys. Those are a bunch of free agents that they they brought in to hit home runs. Mm-hmm. Larry Walker went there to make a ton of money. Dante Bichette went there to make a ton of money. Maybe it's the front office. Could be. And they also, those early Rockies teams also 
you know, you had guys like Don Baylor managing the teams and guys like playing, guys like playing for those guys. But, um, yeah, I, I, listen, I'm with you. It's, it's a great city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the lifestyle, dude, what, a, what a most baseball players like to do in the off season, hunt, fish, golf. You can do it there. Golf's hard. Golf's hard, but you know what you got? How far away is Vegas or how far away not, is Arizona, right? Not too far. Like it is, it, it's just, it should be, and, and it, is a, it is a great ballpark. I mean, it should be one of the really, really big franchises in baseball, but I just don't know how you overcome, how we overcome all that other yeah. stuff. Uh, it, it'll be a fun, listen, this will, I think this will be, this could be a real good series for the, this could be exactly what the doctor ordered for the Blue Jays. Playing at Coors Field. Could be. Have you said that this year? About? About a series. I don't know if I have. I don't know either. I'm optimistic about this. You are. I mean, it's. I'm optimistic about it. They're going to. I see a sweep here. I see a sweep. Then we'll come back on Monday and we can set up a sweep in Oakland. You, are they going to sweep this series? Yes or no? No. Coward. Two out of three. I what do you mean Coward. Sweep. It's easier to say sweep. No, it isn't. It absolutely is. No, it is. isn't. It absolutely is. No. They're one of the worst teams in baseball. It absolutely is. It isn't. I'm saying that. Uh, sweep. Anyhow. Uh, that's it for us. We will be back Monday. We're working Monday, even though it's a long week. We are. Yeah, we are. Five to seven Eastern on. on. Are we working no, Monday? No. The game's at four or seven. Oh, that's right. We're not. You're, you're, we're doing post-game Monday. Yeah. We're still working, but we're not doing Can't Blair believe you make more money than me. Well, it's just the schedules. Look, I, what did Wagner say? The next six games are six different start times. It's hard to manage. You know, I need to. Anyhow. If you don't know, just don't say it. Have a great long weekend, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Drive safely. All that good stuff. We'll chat on Monday. <laughs>